Good afternoon. On behalf of the family, I would like to thank each and every one of you who are here today and those of you who are joining us via the live stream. Uh, we th- appreciate so much your presence with us here today. I just want to thank all of you uh, for your love and support. So many of you have expressed that in tangible ways to the family, and they wanted me just to take a moment and just to thank you so much uh, for all that you have done to minister to us in our time of grief. And as we gather here uh, this afternoon to remember the life of Lillian Arnold White, let us draw near to God and to his word as well. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress or our defense. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. Would you pray with me? Our God and Father, we thank you for the life of Lillian Arnold White. We thank you for the legacy of faith that she has left behind to us. We thank you for the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren who exist today, many of whom are are here today because of the life of uh, the departed. We thank you, Father, that as we come to both celebrate her life and mourn her death, that we do not mourn or grieve uh, as those who have no hope, but that we can have a confidence in the redemption that was hers because of the work of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we too can share in the joy of that redemption and and the certainty of that good news and gospel as we follow her example, placing our faith in Christ alone as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for the comfort that you give us through your word, the comfort you give us through your spirit, and the time that you have set aside here for us to celebrate and remember the good gift of life that you have given and your sovereignty and kindness even in death. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. At times uh, like these, it's good to celebrate and praise the Lord. And Grandma White's request was that the very first song sung at her funeral would be the doxology. So let me invite you to stand and sing the doxology together. You'll find this on page 567 in your songbooks. Please remain standing, and if you turn on the back of your bulletin, you will see listed there the question and answer, uh, the very first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. We heard from the scriptures already that as we mourn, we mourn as those who have comfort, who have hope, 
And so let me now invite us to profess together where that hope lies. So, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from the all power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father not a hair can fall from my head, yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation, and therefore by his Holy Spirit he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. Please be seated. We'll hear now from Psalm 121 and Psalm 46. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let me invite you now to stand once again and turn in your hymnal to number 245 as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
For those of you who knew Mama, and forgive me, but she is Mama to me. She's not Lillian, so I'll refer to her that way. But for those of you who knew Mama, you knew that she loved to tell stories. And people loved to listen to her stories, too, as well. Uh, any opportunity she would get, she would gladly share the experiences of her life. Now, granted, as she got older, I think some of the details of her experiences might have been a little bit more exaggerated than when she was younger. But, you know, there still was that, the gist of her life was always there in her stories. Uh, she loved to tell stories of her family. She loved to tell stories of the churches that she was in. And I know Second Press uh, held a special place in her heart. You know, she told me, she said, um, I started attending that church when I was 16 years old. And she said, just the gospel was so clear and the teaching was so solid. Uh, she just regretted that she couldn't have come earlier and been a part of this church longer. Uh, and so anyway, I mean, even all of her days, even to the very end, she watched the live stream of Second Prayers and listened to Rick Phillips preach and just uh, talked about what a blessing that was as she was uh, shut in in her later days. Uh, but, you know, it, it just she loved that. Uh, she would talk about her experiences of white top and her white top kids. Uh, that's what she called them. They're not really kids or grandparents now, but, you know, it's for white top kids. And we heard many stories about that and also Ridgehaven as well. And just, oh, all kinds of other experiences that she had in the 93 years of her life. And, of course, it seemed like every story she had included food. You know, if you knew her well, you knew why that was the case, because she had uh, fed literally hundreds, if not thousands or more people, you know, whether it be at church, whether it be through Ridgehaven, whether it be just in her family alone. Uh, I'm sure the, kid, the kids, the great-grandkids, or grandkids and great-grandkids could uh, tell you many stories about that. But I do have to tell you one, uh, as Mama was getting to the end of her life, and she was at that point where she was bedridden, in the assisted care facility. Uh, she wasn't really opening her eyes. Uh, she was just sort of muttering from time to time. And so when she did that, we would bend down and listen uh, carefully. And one time I remember she was muttering, and so we were all sort of trying to hear because you're sure that this was very important that we needed to, to hear this. And she was saying, you need to get the table set. The food is ready and we need to eat. And so she was barking orders on how people needed to get the table ready so that we could eat. So even to the, the very end, it, it seemed like uh, food was very important to her. But, you know, as awesome as all those things were, the most important thing to her was her faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, she has been talking to me for a number of years now about doing her funeral sermon. And she said, Rick, whatever you do, don't you dare talk about me. She said, you need to talk about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So she would already be upset with me that I've talked this much about her. But this is not the first time I've been in trouble with her, so that's okay. Um, you know, Mama was one who lived out her faith before other people, not only in the way that uh, she served others, whether that was doing the church newsletter or whether that was delivering meals on wheels or doing something for her family or any number of other things. But she also showed that a life of faith means that one is not perfect, that a person is not necessarily perfect. Uh, you know, like all the rest of us, she sometimes struggled 
in the things she said or the way she said it or the things she did or the things she didn't do. I mean, we can all relate to that. But she was so thankful that her relationship with God was not founded on how perfect her life was, but on what Christ had done for her and continued to do for her all the days of her life. And I I know that as she got older and uh, she got to the point where she couldn't read her Bible anymore because we couldn't find a Bible with large enough print, she turned to listening to RefNet, which is Ligonier Ministries' radio program. And she loved to hear R.C. Sproul and Sinclair Ferguson and Alistair Begg and all these other preachers preach the Word of God or They also would just read extended periods of scripture or they would sing the hymns of the faith. And she just found such comfort in that. Uh, Even in the assisted care facility, when she would sometimes get agitated or frustrated that, you know, your body's not doing what it should do and and things, uh, you know, we would tell the nurses, just play RefNet. And uh, they would do that. And they're like, wow, that works. You know, she just found such comfort. In, in God's word. Um, and, it, you know, and so we appreciate that. I, I think what I want you to hear in all of that is that the story of, of mama's life was really wrapped up in a bigger story, in the story of God's redemption. And, you know, of course, what I mean by redemption is when you buy back something that's already yours. And, uh, and it's that story of redemption that gives us hope and comfort in our loss today. Now, you might ask, how is that? And for those of you that have grown up in the church, uh, you probably, when you think of the word redemption, you think about Jesus dying on the cross for those whom he came to save. And, And that is true, okay? But to start there is to be like starting in the middle of the story. We really need to go back to the beginning when God chose to make everything that he chose to make the world, uh, the, the skies, the stars, the universes upon universes, the, the animals, even humanity. And of course, he created Adam and Eve first as the first parents of all humanity. And he placed them in the garden and gave them everything that their heart desired, everything that they would need. Uh, the most important being himself, that God allowed them to walk with him in the cool of the day, that he could live, that they could live in a loving relationship with God, their creator. And all was well. That is until Satan showed up on the scene and he tempted Eve to eat of the fruit that God had forbidden Adam and Eve to eat of. And instead, they listened to Satan rather than God and they ate of that fruit and sinned against God. So sin entered the world, and then through sin, death came into the world. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, through Adam, because see, Adam wasn't just a man, he was the man, okay? He was like the representative of all mankind, of all humanity. And so when he fell into sin... Every person that was born after that was born a sinner. Now, you may say, Rick, I don't feel like a sinner. And and I understand that. We actually aren't as bad as we could be. But the reality is, is that we're born with a desire to do what we want to do, first and foremost, even above and before what God wants us to do. And so we're born sinners. 
And so from the very beginning, uh, then Adam and Eve, they sinned. And we read that just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. You see, up until that point in time when Adam and Eve sinned, if they had not sinned, they would have lived forever, for all eternity. That's how we were created and, and designed. But after that sin and death came in, physical death, then humanity started to have what we're having today, funerals, because people began to die. But not only was there physical death, but there was spiritual death as well. You see, Adam, God had invited Adam and Eve to have a relationship with him, and, and here he is, a, a, a good, a holy God, a righteous God who's perfect in every way, and yet he allowed Adam and Eve to have this relationship with him. But because of their sin, they caused a break in their relationship with God. They no longer loved God. They wanted to be God. And we still sometimes struggle with that same thing as humanity today. So from that point on, humanity lived in rebellion against God. But you know what's so amazing about that? God didn't leave us there. Uh, he could have just wiped out humanity at that point and said, I'm done with you. He, God didn't need us. But instead, he chose to provide a way for people to once again have a, a loving relationship with him. And I think in the church even, we, we really take that for granted. You know, we forget that humanity wasn't the only ones that sinned against and rebelled against God. But there actually was a number of angels in heaven, even before humanity rebelled against God, that rebelled against God as well. And God chose with those angels, instead of redeeming them, he chose to uh, give them what their sins deserved and what their rebellion deserved. And he destined them to eternal damnation and separation from him. But for some reason, for some reason, God chose to do otherwise with humanity. Uh, and that's why he chose to send his son, uh, who was fully God, and Christ came and he became a man to pay the penalty for our sin and our rebellion against God. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. He became sin for us enduring the wrath and the judgment of God that really should have been ours. And then God sent his messengers out into the world to tell people of what he had done, how God calls us to believe that he loves us, and he has provided a way for us to once again have a relationship with him, to have our sins actually forgiven. And because he, he paid the penalty for those sins, that's no longer an issue between us and a holy God because Christ paid the penalty for those sins. And so then once again, we can have a loving relationship with God, an intimate relationship with God. And I'm not talking about like someday in heaven, but I'm talking about even now here on this earth, we can have that relationship with him, enjoying him and worshiping him and delighting in him. And mama wanted me to tell you that she was amongst those who believed that good news. 
And as we gather here today, I want you to know that Mama's faith in God, who not only formed her in her mother's womb, but who also saved her from the power of sin and death, and now brings her comfort and peace as she stands face to face with her Savior, was a very real thing. And she just praises God for what he had done in her life. That's one of the reasons she wanted us to begin with the doxology in praise to him. And so the Bible talks about, you know, that hope that we have uh, in heaven. But the Bible also speaks to those of us who are here on this earth. I mean, praise God that, that mama's in heaven. Uh, she can see Jesus face to face. She feels no more pain, no more sickness, uh, no more restraints in those regards. But the Bible also speaks to us uh, who are grieving the loss of someone whom we love very much. Here again, if I could read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, for those of you that wonder, this was written by the Apostle Paul. He was one of those messengers that God sent out to tell people about what God had done, and he shared this good news with a group of people in Thessalonica, and they believed what Paul said. They believed and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, but they had one problem. They didn't understand what would happen to people who were Christians after they died. And so Paul wrote a letter to them to tell them exactly what would happen. And so this is part of that letter. He said, but we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Actually, that's another word for those who have died. Uh, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The first thing I want you to see here with this is that um, the Apostle Paul is teaching us that grief is normal. He, he just assumes that we're going to grieve because he's saying, grieve this way, not that way. You know, and, and I think, I, I know this sounds maybe crazy to say you have permission to grieve, but it is true. Uh, sometimes I think we forget that we grieve because death is not natural. That's not how God created us to be, to, to die. We were not created to do that, but God uh, made humanity to live forever. So sometimes you hear people say things like, you know, death is just a part of life. And I understand why they say that, because it is certain that we're all going to die at some point in time. So I understand why they say that, but that's not really true. Death is actually a very odd thing, a very unusual thing. And I know Jesus, when he was here on earth, he attended the funeral of a friend. His friend's name was Lazarus. And Jesus, when he was at that funeral, he wept. As a matter of fact, kids... That's the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. So if you ever have to quote a Bible verse for Sunday school, that's the one you want to pick, okay? But Jesus wept. But not only did Jesus weep at that funeral, but it says in the text that he was deeply moved. Now, we might think of that as meaning he was very emotional. Uh, actually, in the Greek, it, it means something way different than that. The word actually means to be moved to outrage. Now, Jesus wasn't outraged at the funeral or the family or anything like that, 
But he was outraged by death, that death had taken the, the life of his friend. Because you see, death is the great enemy that Jesus came to destroy. Because when Christ came to, to take away our sins, he was also conquering death. So it's, it's a proper response to mourn in the face of death. And, and I say that because in the days ahead, there's going to be times when, when you see something that reminds you of mama or something you hear or maybe some food you taste or some smell that comes across your path. And, and it's going to evoke uh, maybe even a very fond memory about mama but you're going to feel the pain of loss. And I want you to know it's okay to mourn. It's okay to miss her. And I say that because I think even Christians sometimes sort of miss the mark when they say things like, oh, you know, your loved one's in heaven, so why are you grieving? You know, they're rejoicing. And that's true. They are rejoicing. But God understands that our existence here on this earth is one of loss. And God is compassionate, and he wants us to grieve. So it's okay if you grieve your mother or your grandmother or your great-grandmother or your friend or your relative uh, as you think about mama. The second thing I want us to see is, is that we grieve as people with hope, Okay. Through Christ's death on the cross, we who are in Christ face death very differently from others. In the text, if you notice um, from Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, it talks about those who have died as those who are asleep. Okay, But it's interesting because then in verse 14, the very next verse, it says that Jesus died. Why didn't it say, well, Jesus is asleep? Well, the reason is, is because Jesus faced death very differently than we face death as Christians. When Christ died on the cross, he died. But what's interesting about his death is death didn't overtake him. Jesus gave up his spirit. He chose the time when he was going to die, and he did. And he gave himself to the power of death, and death held him for three days under his control. But then the Father, through the Holy Spirit, raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and death could not hold him. And Jesus literally was raised from the dead. And if you think that's just a fairy tale, uh, uh, do a little digging. You'll find out over 500 people saw Christ alive and, and testified to his, his risen, um, that he was risen from the dead which means that those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, that death has lost its sting, that death now has to submit to Christ. And so when he calls us to be raised up, then death has no choice but to give us up and to, make, to allow us to be alive again. And so Mama, even though her body will soon be placed in the grave, and, and her soul is now in heaven. And, and Daddy, who's already in the grave, his body is there and his soul is in heaven. One day, their bodies will be raised. It will wake up from the sleep of death. 
and be reunited with our souls in heaven. And so our response must be one of hope because we know full well that death is only sleep for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, if I might quote him once again, says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And Paul goes on in First Thessalonians and he says, So shall we ever be with the Lord. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who place their trust in him, will ever be with him. You see, the ultimate goal in Christ's return is, is that he will come and he will bring all believers to be with him. Now, as a Christian, your, your relationship begins with Jesus Christ now. You get to worship him now. You get to love him now. You get to cherish him. And we get the privilege to come together on Sunday morning as a group of believers to worship and to praise his name. But the hope that we have is, is that when we, oh, we close our eyes in death, that we will no longer be worshiping him from a distance, but we will get to worship him face to face. And I was trying to think how I could illustrate to you what that was like. And the best, the closest thing I could come to is this. I was dating Robbie when we were in college, you know, and as most of you know that know the White family, I married way above myself, okay? I got like the jewel of the jewel, okay? She is incredible. And so we were in college, and over the summer, I went home to Indiana, and she went home to North Carolina. And, you know, back then, we didn't have all the smartphones and the texting and the video and all the cool stuff we have today, which I wish we would have, but we had letters. So we had to write letters, and we did. We wrote love letters to each other, you know, expressing our feelings and everything, and it was awesome. And it was great, and I just, I read over her letters over and over. I was, like, there at the mailbox before the mailman came, every, just waiting with bated breath to get a letter from my sweetheart. And that was great, and that was wonderful. But there was nothing like the day when I got to go back to college and summer was over, and I got to see her face to face, and I got to hold her in my arms. It was incredible. And the same is with Jesus. And so what I want to ask us today as we sort of close is to ask you, is your comfort in Christ today? Is your comfort in Christ today? As you consider the story of your life, is it wrapped up in God's story of redemption? Do you know God as your Savior and friend, delighting in him today, longing to be with him someday in heaven. You couldn't imagine anything greater than that. Or is the story of your life one of a casual acquaintance with God? Maybe you're here today and you say, well, yeah, I believe God exists. You know, sort of out there. Matter of fact, maybe I even grew up in church. 
I used to go to church all the time, but you know, life happens. Things happen. And yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I believe in God. So there's sort of this casual acquaintance. You know, the Bible tells us even the demons believe that God exists, but they're not saved. They don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Or, or maybe you're one of indifference to God and what he's done in your life. Yeah, religion, whatever. Or maybe even you're one that is hostile to God. You don't want anything to do with God. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been hurt in the church. And you don't want anything to do with him. Well, I just want you to know that God is calling out to you today to trust him. To know that he is good. Not because you deserve his love, but because if he calls you to himself, he is setting his love and his affection upon you. It's sort of like the fallen angels. Why would God redeem humanity when he did not do so with the angels? And none of us that are here today that are Christians can boast in the fact that we are Christians, but only can give thanks that God has set his love upon us. We realize that we do not deserve it. So let us take comfort in the story of redemption and trust that Jesus' words would be true of you as well. And I just want to close by reading Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus said to his disciples, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we come today, we do come to grieve the loss of Mama, of Lillian Arnold White. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to know her. Father, um, none of us are perfect, and she wasn't perfect, but she was also an incredible lady in so many ways. And she has touched all of our lives in one manner or another. We thank you for that privilege. But Lord, we pray that we might have the hope that she had. Lord, that we... Lord, that we might trust you as our Lord and Savior and draw our strength and our comfort from you and you alone. We thank you, O God, and pray these things in your name. Amen. If you would, uh, take your Psalter hymnal again and turn to number 265. And we're going to close with a, a hymn that she wanted us to sing. Because Christ was so important to her, she wanted us to sing in Christ alone. So please, let's stand and sing together.
the family would like to thank you all for, for coming and would like to invite you, if you would, to the cemetery, Woodlawn Cemetery, to come and to be part of that service as well. Receive now God's blessing upon us as we leave this place. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen. Thank you.